0: Yeah. It is Thursday, December 19th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 16 preview edition of the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schauff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola, and it is championship week if you're doing it right.
1: Yeah, congrats if you're still listening, I guess. If you're listening, you're probably still alive. If not, you just you know, love hearing us talk football.
0: Yeah, and if you're listening and you don't have any teams alive, thank you very much. It's very sweet of you. <laughs>
1: or you're just a DFS guy, which is, is fine, too.
0: There you go. That works. Or girl. You can be a DFS right. girl, too. And this is the only week all season where we will have an entire 16-game slate. So even though there are fewer people playing, we got more games to talk through. Houston at Tampa is the first one up, 1 p.m. on Saturday. Make sure you get lineup set before that one. Don't get caught. The Texans are three-point favorites on the road for this one. That's up two points from where it opened. The over/under is down for it. Actually, opened as the week's highest over/under. Now it's just third behind the Seahawks, Cardinals, and Titans, Saints. Three points shaved off the Bucks implied total. I mean, it's not surprising yeah. with the injuries they're dealing with.
1: Yeah, not surprising. And I think you know that—that's the big question here: is what do you do with Jameis Winston missing his top two wide receivers now, and really, you know, two of the best, you know, fifteen or so wide receivers in the league? Winston, of course. 450 plus yards and four touchdowns in back to back games now. The majority of that has come without Mike Evans. Um, he was without Chris Godwin for the final two quarters of last week's game. I still think there's enough here, um, especially if we expect OJ Howard to be more involved. Cameron Brait you know, could be more involved. Um, and the matchup's good against Houston um, 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. I think you. Trim some off Winston's projections, but you know, he, he still sits safely inside our top ten.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if he had Chris Godwin and Mike Evans this week, Winston would be QB one or two in right. our rankings, probably. Yep. It doesn't have those guys still a starter. It, it's going to be difficult to sit him for somebody else this week after the past two weeks he's had. On the Houston side, obvious it's a great spot for Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins. It's an obvious bad spot for Carlos Hyde. I mean, he's still going to make sense for a lot of people just on volume, but it's a terrible matchup. Duke Johnson is a deep maybe in PPR, but just three games all year with more than four catches. He's only had five games all year where he reached 10 opportunities.
1: Yeah. And on top of being tough against the run, the Bucks are good in running back coverage. Uh, Football Outsiders actually has them first in running back coverage. They have allowed the fourth fewest running back receiving yards this year. So I, I would try to avoid Houston's backfield. I, th- I think the Guy in Houston that I'm I would try to get into fantasy lineups is Will Fuller. I mean, we know he's boom bust. He could he could go out and catch three balls for 40 yards, but you know a lot of wide receivers could do that. And I think Fuller, once you get outside the top, you know, 10 or so wide receivers this week, has as much upside as anyone in this matchup.
0: Yeah, I think Fuller is actually even a, a safer play than he seems like. He's only had four near full games since that Week Five outlier against the Falcons because of hamstring injuries. Those four games, though, he's caught five passes or more in three of them. Um, that includes five last week in his re- in his return from the latest hamstring injury against the Titans. Seven targets in that game. You know, if they can't run the ball in this one, I-, I think that only pushes things further toward the pass. So I agree. It's a good spot for Will Fuller. I think it's also a spot worth considering Kenny Stills, depending on how far down you're looking. The Bucks have started rookie Sean Murphy Bunting for four games now in the slot. Three of the opponents— have had a lesser slot receiver outscore a stud outside guy in that game. Danny Amendola last week outscored Kenny Galladay. Week 13, it was D.D. Westbrook over D.J. Chark. Week 12, it was Russell Gage over Julio Jones. I'm not saying Kenny Stills is going to outscore the other Houston wide receivers in this game. And his issue is a low target count, but... There's the chance they pass more in this game. There's the chance they try to exploit his matchup. Kenny Stills is a wide receiver four, maybe fringe wide receiver three, Mm -hmm. but there's definitely upside if he does get the opportunities. Yeah,
1: and the Texans do move their receivers all around, but Stills is leading the top three with a 41% um, snap rate in the slot. Big play guy. The Bucs have allowed the second most completions of 40-plus yards this season. I mean, he's boom-bust, had just Mm -hmm. three targets last week, played about two-thirds of the Texans' offensive snaps with Will Fuller back. Um, definitely someone to consider in DFS. I think, you know, for season long, he he's just a flyer.
0: Mm-hmm. On the Tampa side, we already <laughs> talked about James Winston still a starter. OJ Howard has got to be a better option than usual. And with, with, Chris Godwin now joining Mike Evans on the sideline.
1: Right. Howard Howard already over the last three weeks is top nine among tight ends in targets, catches, and receiving yards. He's played 78 plus percent of the snaps in all three of those games. So he's already been decent. And now Evans and Godwin combined for 17.7 targets per game. I think Howard is a good bet to pick up at least a few of those matchup's pretty good too the Texans are 17th against tight ends
0: and of course at wide receiver I can't imagine not playing Brashad Perriman <laughs> after he scored three times last week and he's got a good matchup against the Houston defense that's been bad against wide receivers all year and it sounds crazy you know might
1: not even feel comfortable because and Rashad it might not Perriman. work he it certainly could work. have a
0: bad game <laughs> it, it might not work but the
1: process is right when you consider he's going to be on the field basically every snap in a plus matchup so you're starting Perriman I think Justin Watson is at least a wide receiver for consideration I'm not convinced Brashad Perriman's even better than Justin Watson I mean you start Perriman because he did it last week. But Watson, two weeks ago, had that 59-yard, one touchdown game um, when Mike Evans exited, and you know, he, he's locked in to you know probably basically an every down role here alongside Perriman.
0: Yeah, I I don't think Brashad Perriman's a very good football player. I think we've right. got more evidence to that end than the opposite. So yeah, it, it's possible Justin Watson outscores him this week. I think I agree that they're both in play. I think Justin Watson is a higher floor version of Kenny Stills this week. I think yeah. he gets more targets than Kenny Stills. I think they both have upside well beyond where they sit in our rankings. Yeah,
1: I agree. I mean, I, I'd play Watson over Stills just because the yeah. volume projection.
0: I agree with that. I would play Will Fuller over both of them. Oh, for sure, yep. Also on the Tampa Bay side, there's more receiving upside for the running backs. You know, like with O.J. Howard, because it, there has to be, but it's still a muddled situation. Ronald Jones is the first one in. He played 34 snaps last week to lead the backfield. That was only 45 percent, though. Ogunbowale, Peyton Barber, each played 21 snaps, so it's not like he's you know, controlling the backfield. He's the first guy in, in a, a bad backfield.
1: Yeah, I mean, basically since Bruce Arians said Ronald Jones was his starter, it's it's come back to like a three-way committee. Jones hasn't topped 12 carries in any of his last six games now. The Texans have struggled against the run lately, allowing 4.7 yards per carry to running backs over the last five games. So some rushing upside. And Bruce Arians did also say that he expects his running backs to be more involved in the passing game this week with all the wide receiver injuries. So. Some upside to Jones, but I mean, as we've seen all year, he's not someone you can definitely count on.
0: Right. If you're looking down in that range, there are options. I mean, but even though Ronald Jones played 13 more snaps than Peyton Barber last week, he had one more carry and one more target. And as we've seen, if he makes one wrong move <laughs> in pass protection, he could be out of the picture. Yep. Buffalo at New England at 430 on Saturday. The Patriots are six and a half point favorites. And honestly, uh, that strikes me as a little bit disrespectful. I'd bet the Bills side of that. I
1: don't bet against the Patriots at home. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills cover. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills went out, right? But it's a stay away game for me, uh, betting-wise.
0: Yeah, I I think it's also a stay away game, mostly Mm -hmm. fantasy-wise this week. The Bills have the lowest implied point total for the week. I Uh I think that's fine. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. They're a half point behind the Lions at Denver. That might be a little excessive. But again, (laughs) I don't expect a whole lot. I'm sitting John Brown. I'm sitting Cole Beasley. I'm sitting Josh Allen, if I can help it. I would play... Uh, Justin Watson and Kenny Stills over both Bills wide receivers I just mentioned?
1: Um, I I think I'd play both Bills over uh, Kenny Stills. John Brown obviously has a tough matchup against Stephon Gilmore. He did catch five balls for 69 yards in the first meeting against the wheel and got 11 targets. So, you know, Josh Allen didn't shy away from throwing to John Brown in Gilmore's coverage. Um, And Brown last week, you know, seven catches, 99 yards in a pretty tough matchup against the Steelers. So, you know, definitely downgrade him. He's in, like, low-end wide receiver three territory in our rankings. Same goes for Cole Beasley. I mean, I'd start Brown, I think, slightly ahead of Beasley. Beasley Beasley did have the nice game against the Bills earlier this season, seven catches, 75 yards. But, you know, the Pats have been almost as tough on slot receivers as outside guys. They've allowed the sixth fewest
0: fantasy points to slot guys. Yeah, number one in coverage, according to Football Outsiders, versus every wide receiver spot. Mm -hmm. Actually, number one versus every wide receiver spot, number six versus tight ends, number 18, versus running backs. So if there's an area for Buffalo to try to get them, that's it. I think Devin Singletary is a decent RB2. I yeah. won't call him a good play this week, but but decent. We had a big Joe Mixon game last week. In the first meeting, we had 109 rushing yards from Frank Gore. We also had four catches for 68 yards for TJ Yeldon in that
1: game. Right. The, the, I mean, Patriots definitely still weaker against the run in the past. They, they have been better against the run lately, um, giving up 3.9 yards per carry to running backs over the last five weeks. But like you said, Mixon just had the nice game against them. And really, Singletary, it's, you're starting in based on volume. I mean, he's, he's basically in a feature role at this point. He's played 70 plus percent of the snaps in five straight games, averaging 17.6 carries and 3.6 targets over that span. You know, there, there's not many running backs with better volume than that right now.
0: Mm-hmm. On the Patriots side, you sit Tom Brady. He's completed 51.5% of his passes over the past five games. He was even worse than that at Buffalo earlier this season, 46%. 150 yards, no touchdowns, one pick. The team scored just 16 points in that game. So, I mean, he's an easy set at this point. Yeah,
1: Brady finished quarterback 29 in the first game against the Bills. He's been a top-12 quarterback in just one of his last eight games. And that was the Texans game, whereas, you know, basically all garbage time late.
0: Julian Edelman is in a tough spot. He had just 30 yards on four catches in the first meeting. He did do well against the Bills in both meetings last year, though. Nine for 104, six for 70 and a touchdown. Dealing with shoulder and knee issues this time around. Coming off just two catches for nine yards against the Bengals last week, also his lowest playing time since Week Three, which you, you got to figure is related to the injury stuff. Right, I think that knee
1: especially is a concern. Um, it's it's supposedly patella tendonitis. There was a video of Edelman kind of hobbling around at practice on Wednesday, so I, you know he's not at hundred percent. Bad matchup. Bills have allowed the fifth fewest fantasy points to slot guys. You know, I think Adam is not someone you have to sit, but I think he's also not a must start this week.
0: Yeah, he's down probably low wide receiver two range, maybe even bottom and into high wide receiver three range. PPR, I would have a hard time not playing him. He's seen eight straight games of 10 plus targets before that Bengals game last week. Non-PPR, though, I could see a number of guys that I'd take a shot on.
1: Yeah, I would note that, you know, like you said, his snap rate was down to 62% last week. He did run a route on 91% of Brady's dropbacks. So, you know, when the Patriots were throwing, Edelman was still on the field.
0: Yeah, and it was also a game that they controlled, so it was easier to give him time off when they uh, wanted to.
1: I do think Edelman's injury makes Mohamed Sanu a bit more interesting. It's probably just a DFS play, but he did runner out on 100% of Brady's dropbacks last week and saw a team high eight targets. I think that ankle injury is sort of behind him at this point. He's closer to 100%. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Sanu leads the team in, in receiving on Saturday.
0: I would play all of the fringe wide receivers we talked about before this over him, though.
1: Um, yeah, I think I'd lean stills over Sanu, but it's close for me. Mm-hmm.
0: Sony Michelle, 18 carries last week, 17 carries against the Bills in week four, 18 carries in the lone meeting with the Bills last year. So he should be getting the ball, and that's really the best we can say for him.
1: Yep, that's the best we can say, um, you know, with Brady struggling, with Edelman injured, and, and in this matchup, you know, Buffalo just 19th in Football Outsiders' run defense rankings, third against the pass, so it should be a run-heavy game with, you know, Michelle, a pretty big part of it.
0: James White looks like a solid start as well. A strong PPR bet, I would say. Eight catches against the Bills in Week 4. Ten and two catches in their two meetings last year. In the game where he only caught two balls, though, Rex Burkhead had four catches on five targets in that one. And... Patriots running backs rushed 39 times total in that game. So we should see plenty of running back opportunities in this game. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, White carried eight times in both those games against the Bills last year. Actually scored a rushing touchdown in both of them. So, you know, the the run heavy game plan also benefits James White. You know, we see the Patriots give him eight to ten carries a game.
0: The Rams at San Francisco close out Saturday, the 8-15 game. Niners are six-and-a-half-point home favorites. Over-under is 45. Obvious on the Rams side, Todd Gurley, Robert Woods. Not a great matchup for anybody, but those guys are starting.
1: Yeah, I, I don't expect the Rams passing game to get much done in this spot, but Robert Woods especially, um, nine-plus targets in five straight games. Now, you can't sit that. Uh, I think Cooper Cup is the tougher call. Um, did get backed up back up to his usual playing time last week, um, has scored in three straight games now, but he hasn't topped 65 yards in any of his last six games. He's sort of just been relying on the touchdowns. I don't think he's a good touchdown bet here. Um, the Niners have allowed the third fewest fancy points to slot receivers.
0: Since the week nine bye, he is wide receiver 33 in PPR. He's wide receiver 39 in non-PPR. He's tied for 39th among wide receivers in targets over that span behind guys like Marvin Jones, Sterling Shepard, and Dede Westbrook. Cup has seen 24 fewer targets than Robert Woods in that span. Robert Woods, of course, missed a game in that span. He, Cup has seen just a 15% share of Jared Goff's pass attempts since the bye. Four catches for 17 yards in the first meeting with the Niners. That came before this downrange mm-hmm. that I'm talking about. So if you're, when you're considering whether to start Cup this week, you have got to ignore his early season numbers yeah. and decide on what he is now.
1: Yeah, again, I, I just, I don't like the Rams' passing game in general. Here, the Niners are getting Richard Sherman and Quan Williams back, so they, you know their secondary is almost at full strength at this point. Again,
0: I do think that Tyler Higby almost definitely remains in your lineup. You know, if you have somebody in the top eight or so of our rankings yeah. or like if Jacob Hollister is available that's the one guy that I can see realistically available in most leagues that I would pick yeah. up to play over Tyler Higby after three straight hundred yard games
1: yeah I agree uh, I mean Higby leads all tight ends and targets catches and yards over the last three weeks so he's he's tough to bench Gerald Everett is on track to return this week that adds some risk to Higby's target outlook and and the matchup again is bad the Niners second in football outsiders tight end coverage ranking so yeah, I think he be more of a low-end, tight-end one this mm-hmm. week
0: when the production says, you know, he, he should be a top-five option. Yeah, somebody I'm fading in DFS, but I yes. would keep him in my redraft lineup. Yep. As far as passing goes, the 49ers haven't been a negative matchup lately for quarterbacks since the Week 9 visit to Arizona, really. Seven-game stretch there, just one quarterback in that span has fallen short of 19.9 fantasy points against them, and that's Aaron Rodgers. Matt Ryan finished QB 13 last week at San Francisco. Drew Brees annihilated them at his place the week before. The Niners have allowed the fourth most QB points over the past five games. A lot of those, of course, from Drew Brees. That said, Jared Goff has been good versus every defense rated 11th or worse in pass defense DVOA this year. He has been awful against every defense that rates better than that. The Niners still sit second in pass defense DVOA. They are still third in overall weighted defense DVOA, according to Football Outsiders, and that is a measure that favors recent games. So even in the games where they've been allowing more points, they're still among the league's best defenses. If you need Jared Goff, I think he can be an option, but there are many better options this week.
1: Yeah, I would definitely try not to use Jared Goff this week. The Niners first in adjusted sack rate. PFF has them third in their pass rush grades. We know Goff struggles under pressure. Um, he had 78 scoreless passing yards on 24 pass attempts in the first
0: meeting against the Niners. <laughs> that was a bad game. And he was awful for most of the Dallas game yep. before picking up some numbers late.
1: Garbage time, yep.
0: On the 49ers side, I think George Kittle is the only obvious play here. The The Rams' D is not a great matchup for anybody at this point. Eighth in overall defensive DVOA, 11th against the pass, 6th against the run. The 49ers have won eight games this year by at least the projected margin from this, this week's game. Jimmy Garoppolo has averaged just 27.8 pass attempts in those games, and the median is 26, so that tosses out the outlier of 45 attempts in the Week 11 win over Arizona. So he's not a great bet for volume. I think that's worse news for his receivers, really, than it is for him. Who I don't don't think anybody's excited about Garoppolo this week anyway.
1: No, yeah, I mean, Garoppolo's just been all over the board, fantasy production-wise, and in this tougher matchup, I'd lean against using him. Debo Samuel, I didn't realize this, he had finished as a top 27 PPR wide receiver in five straight games prior to last week, so he, he had been getting it done. I would expect Jalen Ramsey to spend most of Saturday's game on Emmanuel Sanders, so I, th- I think Debo Samuel is, is worth considering as a wide receiver three or flex play.
0: Especially if Troy Hill, who has been their starter on the other side for most of the second half of the season at least, if not um, before the, the second half of the season, he fractured a thumb against Dallas. He had surgery this week. Not clear yet whether he's going to play. Obviously, the short window to return Saturday makes it more difficult. No practice uh, the first two days of the week, though. So we'll see. If Troy Hill's out, I think Debo becomes intriguing as opposed to just an option. Yeah, agreed. agree. Uh, running backs, Raheem Mostert got 14 of the 22 halfback carries for the Niners against the Falcons. He got two of the five targets. He also led the group in routes run, 16 to 11 for Tevin Coleman, six for Matt Breida. Football Outsiders has the Rams top 11 in coverage versus every position except running back where they rank 24th. So I think there's maybe some receiving upside here.
1: And, and we just saw the Rams get smoked by the Cowboys running backs. Um, San Francisco, or LA now allowing 4.9 yards per carriage running backs over the last five weeks. And it, it's still a three-way committee in San Francisco, but you, you got Mostert getting, you know, about half the work, if not a bit more, fifty nine percent of the running back carries over the last two weeks. So you know, there's always a chance they go away from him, but I think Mostert worth using as a running back too.
0: Yeah, and we had we did at least have Kyle Shanahan say last week that Mostert has earned more of the work. So if it goes against that this week, it, it's you know because of something that they didn't tell us. We have right. to go with what we know at this point. Yep. New Orleans at Tennessee to start Sunday's slate. Saints are three point road favorites here. Fifty and a half point over under, and that's down a point from where it opens. So both of these teams are implied for at least twenty three and a half. Should be a decent amount of offense. You can't even think about sitting Drew Brees after the past two weeks he's had. You can if you if you
1: have you know another guy we have ranked ahead of him. You know there's like six guys we have ranked ahead of Brees. That this will only be Brees' second outdoor game of the season. The only other one was the Bucks, and he did well in that game: two hundred twenty eight yards, three touchdowns. But it was also the Bucks over the previous two seasons. Brees averaged just. 236 yards and 1.3 passing touchdowns in 11 outdoor games. So that's a slight concern. Um, but like you said, he's been so good. I mean, he had one incompletion on a Monday night against the Colts. And, and this matchup is good. Tennessee, 22nd in Football Outsiders past defense rankings. Cornerback Malcolm Butler on IR. Adoree Jackson, iffy with a foot injury. So I think Breeze will be fine. I, I don't expect... You know, the type of ceiling games he's been giving us at home lately.
0: Yeah, I think it's fair to say that he won't give you 45 fantasy points this week. But uh, it's it's another good spot for him. I mean, they're playing in Tennessee, so it's not like it's going to be frigid. We'll see about the weather yep. that day. But I, I'm not going to uh, worry too much about him being outside rather than having a, a, a ceiling over him. Michael Thomas is obvious. Alvin Kamara is extremely <laughs> frustrating. Yeah. I. I don't know if I forgot or failed to even realize that he still has not scored a touchdown yeah. outside of the Week 3 game at Seattle.
1: Yeah, nine-game scoreless drought. That the Saints have averaged 26.6 points per game <laughs> in, in those nine games, and Kamara can't score. I mean, it's, it's mostly bad luck more than anything else. So he, The touchdowns can start coming any week at this point. Um, you're keeping Kamara in your lineup. He's, he's still getting nice usage. Um, the Titans have been especially bad against running backs in the passing game. Uh, Football Outsiders has them 23rd in running back coverage. They've allowed the third most running back catches this season. So I could see Kamara having a big game in the passing game.
0: And Carlos Hyde went over a hundred yards against them last week, 19 plus opportunities for Kamara in each of his past five games. He's at least an easy PPR start. And he's a, Guess I have to keep using yeah. him in non-PPR thing. Yeah, I
1: mean, you, you'd have to be loaded to not use Kamara in non-PPR even.
0: Loaded at running back or loaded like drunk. <laughs> Both. Jared Cook. It's disappointing that he didn't do more against the Colts, but he caught all four of his targets for 54 yards. Tennessee is the eighth friendliest scoring matchup by adjusted fantasy points allowed, so it's a solid spot for him.
1: Yeah, only two tight ends have scored more fantasy points than Cook over the past six weeks now, and it's a good matchup. So I think you're you're starting him. I would I would use Cook over uh, Tyler Higby this week.
0: That would be a. Tough call for me, but I I would probably have to go the same way. Yep. Anything else from that side before you go to Tennessee? Nope. Yeah, You can't sit Ryan Tannehill oh. unless you have a top guy here. So it, it looks like a scary matchup based on what New Orleans limited Indy to on Monday night. But before that game, the previous five quarterbacks to face the Saints had all tossed two-plus touchdown passes. The previous four all topped 250 yards, scored at least 22 fantasy points. That included Kyle Allen. In New Orleans, that granted, that game didn't have Marshawn Lattimore, but still. In six Saints road games so far this year, only Gardner Minshew has fallen short of 20 fantasy points among all the quarterbacks that have faced them. That included Jared Goff. That included Mitchell Trubisky. That included Matt Ryan and Jameis Winston going over 20 fantasy points, even though they combined for six interceptions in those games.
1: Right. F- four straight quarterbacks had finished top 12 against the Saints prior to Brissette and Monday night. Tannehill has finished top twelve in seven of his eight starts. So, I mean, you just you start him to to me. A Breeze versus Tannehill is, is a tough decision if you're making that decision. Yeah, it's a
0: coin flip, honestly. Yeah, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah, AJ Brown has grown into a lead wide receiver for them. You know, it's it's still a small sample, so we're still learning here. But over 110 yards in three of his past four games, seven and thirteen targets the past two weeks. I think they're unlikely to play ahead from ahead in this game. You know They're home underdogs, so we shouldn't have to worry about light volume from Tennessee uh, jumping ahead.
1: Yeah, that's what's changed with Brown is his volume has really gotten better over the past five weeks. Now, we've seen 28% of the Titans' targets over their last five games, 39% of their air yards. Both those marks are top six among all wide receivers. So, you know, that was the concern with Brown, but it's not a concern anymore. You know, he's he's a locked-in starter.
0: Marshawn Lattimore, as the matchup, does add some downside risk. Emmanuel Sanders had a big game at New Orleans. He did nearly all of his damage away from Lattimore, though, who was not shadowing him all over the field. DJ Moore had a big game in New Orleans. As we mentioned, that was with Lattimore out. So yeah. there's definitely downside risk here, but it's such a concentrated passing game. That you yeah. got to figure AJ Brown gets plenty as long as they do a fair amount of passing.
1: Yeah, and how well Brown is playing right now, like it, it mm-hmm. I, I think he can win that matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, the Saints have actually allowed the seventh most yards per game to opposing number one wide receivers too. So you know Lattimore isn't isn't shutting down these guys.
0: And Lattimore started the season playing poorly before yep. turning it on. So there, there's also that um, negative aptitude to him. But I think the whole situation, including that matchup, helps Johnny Smith's outlook. Maybe he gets more in this game. And Von Bell, the safety for New Orleans, has a knee injury, kept him out Monday night. He still wasn't practicing Wednesday. So if he's out, I think it further helps Johnny Smith's spot.
1: Yeah, there's upside to Smith. I mean, he's he's a big-time athlete. We saw that on that like you know 60-yard run he had last week. And he's seen nine targets over the last two games. But he also only saw two targets in the two games before that. So I think the floor is still low. But mm-hmm. I, I agree. We could see some more action pushed his way in this matchup.
0: Yeah, he's outside our top 12. I think he belongs there, but there's upside if you're looking in that range. Yep. I wonder whether the Titans give Corey Davis or A.J. Brown more time in the slot this week, which has been a weakness for New Orleans mm-hmm. through most of the season. And it could be an e- even more of a focal point because they just signed Janoris Jenkins over the weekend. If he's ready to play in this game, which I don't know why he wouldn't be, it would be his debut for New Orleans. It would make them tougher on the edges at corner. Corey Davis has had two games among his past four where he was basically an even split between the slot and outside. Mm-hmm. I think he could be interesting if he gets an opportunity like that. Yeah, I
1: was going to say, Adam Humphreys has been out the past two weeks, I think, and it looks like he's going to miss this game again. So I'm assuming that's why Davis has played more in the slot. Maybe they moved Brown in the slot. It would make a lot of sense. Corey Davis just hasn't been getting it done. You'd have to be desperate, I think, to play him outside of
0: DFS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. But I'll be interested to look at pricing and such with him. Tree's sure cheap. Anything else from that game?
1: Um, Derrick Henry, just note that he practiced on Wednesday, which seems like good news after he didn't practice at all last week. You know, still played in that game, still got 21 carries, I think it was. So, you know, he, he hasn't really been limited in games. But the hamstring has been an issue, I think. Um, but, you know, based on the fact that he practiced Wednesday, it seems like he's healthier this week than he was last.
0: Pittsburgh at the Jets. Steelers are three-point favorites. It's an over-under 37. I am trying very hard to play absolutely nothing from this game.
1: I agree. Um, yeah, we'll have to see about Juju Smith-Schuster. If he's back, I think the matchup makes him a wide receiver three consideration. Um, if not, I think James Washington, I mean, he, he's been good enough where he's in the mix. Um, you know, the Jets 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. We know – Pittsburgh wants to run as much as possible with Devlin Hodges under center. But in this matchup, um, you know, the Jets are so much tougher against the run. We, we could see a bit more pass volume.
0: I'd have to be really hard up to start anybody. It would be like a, I don't have a better option than this guy rather than reaching for him.
1: I, I mean, I'm with you there. But, like, we're talking about guys like Mohamed Sanu and Kenny Stills. Like, I, I'd play mm. James Washington and even Deontay Johnson over those guys.
0: Mm, I would play um, Kenny Stills over Deontay Johnson. I guess I'd play James Washington over Kenny Stills. It would be close, That's though. That's fair. Anything else from the Jets side?
1: Not, not, not much from the Jets side. I mean, I think you're starting Le'Veon Bell based on volume. Ugh. The receivers, Robbie Anderson, I mean, he's averaging eight targets per game over his last three, so I think he's in the mix. And and Crowder's same deal. I mean, low end wide receiver threes.
0: Yeah, I, to me they're even wide receiver four range with yeah. the matchup and and what we can count on from the Jets. Yep. Yeah. Just I, I want to get away from this game as soon as possible. No,
1: I I, I agree. You, you don't want much of this game, if any.
0: Alright, Cincinnati at Miami then. It, it's it, no it's fun, bad man. when a Bengals-Dolphins <laughs> game is much more fun. Bengals are one-point favorites here. It opened with Miami as a one-point favorite. Honestly, I'm not really sure why it, it has moved this way. It's not like the Bengals have been good lately.
1: No, I mean, Miami's been better than Cincinnati. All season and lately. So, yeah, I'm not sure why the Bengals are favored. It was baffling.
0: I think there's some low-key shootout potential to this game. A decent over-under at 46.5. I wouldn't be surprised to see him go over. On the Cincinnati side, Joe Mix and Tyler Boyd are obvious at this point. Andy Dalton really hasn't done much since his return, so it's tough to really like him. But Miami is the second best QB scoring matchup by our adjusted fantasy points allowed.
1: Yeah, and as we talked about, I mean not many quarterbacks have really failed against Miami. They've allowed multiple passing scores in twelve of fourteen games. So if you're looking for a decent floor, I think Dalton can give you that this week.
0: Yeah, the numbers have been really down in the past couple of games since he returned to the starting lineup, but uh, despite a matchup, uh, matchup with the Jets mixed in there. Yeah. But he also faced, what, the Ravens and the Patriots the past two? Yeah, exactly. I was looking back over his full slate. He's faced a tough slate of yeah. past defenses this year. Yeah, yeah he has. John Ross, I actually had somebody ask me about using John Ross this week. He's one of those guys where there's upside, but if you're going to use him, it has to be totally your decision because his playing time actually decreased last week from his first game back off of IR. So, you know, if he gets six targets in this game, could he do something to help you? Sure but could he make it out of this game with two or three targets? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he, he's in the Kenny Stills range for me. John Ross, his snaps, his snap rate did decrease last week, but his route rate increased from 40% to 56%. So yeah, maybe that gets another bump. Matchup's obviously good. Um, Dolphins have allowed the second most PPR points on deep passes. That's according to Hayden Winks of Roto World. So It it is a matchup where you could see Brown make a big play, but you know, like Kenny Stills, you can't bet on more than a a handful of targets.
0: And I would play Kenny Stills pretty easily over John Ross because we know that his playing time is going to be solid, and his offense is way better.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I think Ross might be a slightly better target bet, but yeah, I mean, how can you call John
0: Ross a better target because he's not playing behind DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller? Yeah, but he's been—he's <laughs> played two games since he returned okay. from IR. Yeah, I mean, he was up to fifty-six percent of the routes last week. That's almost—that's yeah, almost, that's almost where
1: Kenny Stills was. You know, Kenny Stills was at sixty-two percent. So, yeah,
0: I don't—I don't think you can call. It. I mean, the same guy. can the same John guy Ross I mean. beat Kenny Stills in targets? Sure, but I don't think you can call him a better bet for targets going into the game, unless you feel like lying. <laughs> Tyler Eifert's a streaming level option. He had four for 49 and three for 44 the past two weeks, but Miami is actually a neutral matchup for tight ends. They've gone four straight games without allowing a touchdown to the position, and that included a game against Philly in that range. The eighth fewest PPR points allowed to the position over the past five weeks, and that span has included Eric Rowe moving from corner to safety and becoming their primary tight end guy.
1: Yeah, I think Eifert, a really low-level streaming option. He, right. he's, he's he's still sharing time with uh, C.J. Ozama. I'd play Johnny Smith well ahead
0: of Tyler Eifert. Yes, I agree with that. And I would play at least Kyle Rudolph uh, among the Vikings guys ahead of him as uh, well. Yeah, yeah. Probably, I'm, I think I'd probably even play Caden Smith, assuming there's no Evan Ingram.
1: Yeah, uh, Ingram on IR now. That's right. Um, Rhett Ellison has a chance to play still. I think, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of knocked Caden Smith out of consideration. But yeah, if Ellison's out, I like Caden Smith over Elford
0: On the Dolphin side, Devontae Parker is obvious. And really, Ryan Fitzpatrick <laughs> should be closer to obvious than we've probably given him credit for. The Bengals matchup. Actually, why don't you give us Ryan Fitzpatrick's <laughs> numbers because I, I stole them from you on Twitter this week. Well,
1: I mean, he, he's quarterback five since taking over a starter again in week seven. He, he's been fairly consistent, top eight quarterback in five of those nine games. And the matchup's good. I mean, the, the Bengals haven't given up huge, huge numbers to quarterbacks. But that's in large part because they faced the second fewest pass attempts. Teams just run against them. Miami can't run against anyone. So I think Fitzpatrick's volume will be fine here. Um, you know, he, he keeps moving up our rankings every day. He's inside the top 10 now for the week.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say is this Bengals matchup is positive. It's muted, I think, a bit by how much opponents have run on them. They've allowed the ninth most fantasy points to quarterbacks. They've allowed the second most QB fantasy points per pass attempt, mm-hmm. though. You know, granted, that includes five rushing touchdowns, but that's an aspect that Fitzpatrick can do as well if, he, if he's not throwing the ball a ton in this game. I think I think he comes with a nice floor, and I think he has a nice ceiling here. It's a good matchup for Patrick Laird as well, even though, like you said, they don't run the ball very well.
1: Yeah, good matchup. Um, you know, the Bengals 27th in Football Outsiders Rundy. They're 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. The concern for Laird is it was you know close to a 50 50 split last week with Miles Gaskin. They actually played the same exact number of snaps um Gaskin actually ran another route or two more than Patrick Laird did. Laird still got 12 carries and 5 targets. I mean, if he can get that this week, I think, you know, he'll he'll be at least a solid running back three for you. But, you know, Gaskin mixed in for nine carries and three targets too. So, you're not going to get the, you know, 75 to 85% usage that we got from Laird those past couple of weeks, but again, if you can get 15 or so opportunities out of him, I think he'll be fine in this matchup.
0: Yeah, just it's basically like choosing between Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber with a matchup booster.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think Ronald Jones and Laird are in the same territory this week.
0: Mm-hmm. Mike Jacecki, I think is a solid start, fairly yeah. solid start five plus targets in seven straight games, six plus targets in six of those had the the clunker two weeks ago, but it still was a five target game there.
1: Right. I mean, only four tight ends have seen more targets than him over the past seven weeks now. So the Bengals, sort of like with quarterbacks, um, you know, they're actually sixth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends, but that's, you know, cause they haven't faced many tight end targets, football outsiders has them 21st in tight end coverage.
0: And even though we like the Dolphins offense here, I think the, Beng- the Bengals defense can still be a flyer with upside in both sacks and turnovers. Even during his good stretch, Ryan Fitzpatrick has thrown eight interceptions in nine games since reclaiming the starting job.
1: Yeah. I mean, if the Bengals defense can be an option, I think Miami's kind of on the other side too.
0: Yeah, I would play the Bengals over the Dolphins, though, if you're choosing. Yeah, yeah, me
1: too. I mean, there's more talent on the Bengals' defense, still at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Carolina at Indianapolis. The Colts are six-and-a-half point home favorites here, Mm -hmm. which tells you all you need to know about the Panthers. The Panthers, though, are implied for more points than the Giants at Washington this week and the Jaguars at Atlanta. I'm not sure that I would choose them to score more points, and primarily Mm -hmm. because it is the first pro start for Will Greer who apparently has been unable to beat out Kyle Allen to this yeah. point. And, you know, Kyle Allen has had ups and downs, but his downs have been to the level where if you had a rookie quarterback that you're excited about to any degree, yeah. you'd go ahead and make the switch.
1: Right, and I, I liked Will Greer as a prospect coming in. you um, completed 66% of his passes, 9.4 yards per attempt in his two seasons as West Virginia starter. He had PFF's second best passing grade last season behind only Kyler Murray. But then he was awful in the preseason. He he ranked dead last among 39 quarterbacks in PFF's preseason passing grades. And then, like you said, you know the Panthers stuck with Kyle Allen for so long rather than going with this rookie. They just spent. Uh, third round pick on a few months ago so that that's a concern now I don't think Greer can be a lot worse than Kyle Allen was so I don't think it's a huge downgrade for the rest of this offense
0: yeah but we have no idea <laughs> you know all we know yeah. to this point so far I, yeah. is that Will Greer hasn't been able to beat out Kyle Allen yeah. so I, I have to expect less this week it certainly could be okay but I have to go in yeah. expecting less than we've gotten to this point I think it makes DJ Moore scary I would still start DJ Moore yeah. because he's he's that good and I mean if Will Greer couldn't if Will were just like hopeless, then they—I don't think they would bother making sure. a switch. So I think DJ Moore should be okay. Curtis Samuel, for me, is is not even a consideration though.
1: Yeah, I agree. You don't want to use Samuel. It is interesting that they, the last two weeks they've been using him in the backfield. Um, he has seven carries for forty yards over the past two weeks. So that's another four carry game, two games before that. Yeah, so that, I mean that's interesting, but it's it's not enough, especially with the quarterback concerns.
0: Yeah, it makes him Duke Johnson, and his <laughs> and Curtis Samuel's receiving numbers have been brutal lately. So I would rather take a shot on Kenny Stills. <laughs> I would even take a shot in uh, PPR on Steven Sims, who we're about <laughs> to get to over Curtis Samuel this week. Oh boy, yep. Uh, Greg Olson also outside the top 12 in a matchup that should be a top eight spot for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, my concerns with Olson are, one, the quarterback play, but two, I think there's at least some chance that Ian Thomas stays involved. Like, you know, Olson's on his last legs. The Panthers have nothing left to play for. Thomas is this young guy who might be the future, so... I wouldn't be surprised if Olsen's playing time is is scaled back a bit, which obviously adds risk.
0: Yeah, it certainly makes sense. On the Colts side, I think T.Y. Hilton's an upside shot to take in wide receiver three range. He's going to be somebody, though, to watch your reports on heading through the weekend.
1: Yeah, I mean, Frank Reich said earlier this week that Hilton is going to play more going forward. Um, He played 52% of the snaps um, in New Orleans on Monday night. Ran a on 63% of Brissett's dropbacks on nine targets. So the, the usage was okay. And if he's going to be on the field more at home. We always like him better at home, indoors. Um, there's upside there is obviously risk too, because the guy really hasn't done much in the past couple months now with the calf injury.
0: Right. You'll find him in wide receiver three range for us. If you get to the point where you're deciding between him and somebody else who's close, it's really going to be more of a personal decision because we don't know anything more than you do at this point. All we've seen is the past two times T.Y. Hilton's been on the field, he was nowhere close to T.Y. Hilton.
1: Yeah, okay. like you said, we'll see the practice reports. You know, if if he's like a full go on Thursday or Friday, um, I think you can feel better about using him.
0: Yeah, I can't see leaping him into the top twenty. No, but I mean, basically anybody that's behind Brashad Perriman in our rankings, yeah, you know, it, it, you can make a decision between them, give, given T.Y. Hilton's upside when he is right. Well,
1: well and even beyond the calf thing, you know. Reset has just been bad for a while yeah. now, and we know the Panthers are horrible against the run. The Colts want to be a run-heavy team, so it, it really shouldn't be a, a big pass-volume game from Indy.
0: Yeah. Marlon Mack, meanwhile, should be a pretty easy start against that weak run D, and Jack Doyle, a, a man PPR starter here.
1: I, mean, I think if you own Mack, you're probably nervous to use him because he's done nothing since coming back from that injury, but those games have come against the Bucks and the Saints, and Mack has still handled... Seventy-one percent of the Colts' running back carries over that span, so he, you know, he's still the lead guy. Home favorites here in the best matchup. Um, I, I would, you know, be trying to get Mack into your season-long lineups.
0: And with not only not only has Joe, Jacoby Brissett been struggling, but he's got a knee injury. So I mean, there's viable reason to not give him more work than yeah. you need to in this game. So yeah, I, I like Marlon Mack's upside. Jack Doyle, I mentioned. The the Carolina matchup has not delivered tight end fantasy points, but Football Outsiders ratings say it's not a tough coverage matchup. Right. Jack Doyle's fine. He also has just one game of more than three catches among his past seven, though.
1: Yeah, he's been really disappointing the last two weeks here. You know, back to back games of two catches. Um, he's still seen eleven targets over that span. You know, he's his playing time and, and routes run, all that stuff is still fine. So he, he's still an option. Just tougher to trust after what we've seen the past two weeks. I think especially from Brissett.
0: I think I might even take a shot on Johnny Smith over mm. uh, Jack Doyle. It, it, I think it, especially if it's outside of PPR, I guess. I was
1: going to say in PPR, I'd go Doyle. I just think, you know, he, he's still a pretty good bet for, you know, three, four or five catches. Um, in non PPR, I could see going Smith though. Cause he, you know, he, he, he can break that big play.
0: I, I think in PPR I might even take a shot because Jack Doyle would seem like he should be a lock for four plus, but he just hasn't been. I mean, he's only top. Like I said, he's only yep. top three once in his past seven games. Yeah. Giants at Washington. Washington is a two and a half point home favorite here. Daniel Daniel Jones put in a full practice Wednesday, so certainly looks like he should be back for this game.
1: Yep, should be back. Um, you know, has has just been a volatile producer all season. Um, this matchup sort of neutral. Redskins 18th in Football Outsiders past either 20th in fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. My- One concern with Jones, just beyond the fact that he's been sort of volatile all season, is if their rushing ability is going to be limited at all coming off that ankle injury.
0: Yeah, I like that he's a full practice participant and not limited to begin the week. He really hasn't been doing that much production-wise on the ground lately. So overall, I'm certainly not excited. I'm not chasing after Daniel Jones this week. Washington's a decent defense at this point. I don't think his return really changes a whole lot for the offense otherwise beyond what Eli Manning's given the last two weeks.
1: Yeah, I mean, Manning was fine. Um, I, I still think it probably helps Darius Slayton. It just seems like, I, I know Slayton had the one big game with Eli, but I, it just seems like he has the strong rapport with Daniel Jones.
0: Saquon Barkley is an obvious start at this point. Darius Slayton is my first Giants wide receiver still in as well. I think he's a solid wide receiver too in this spot. Yeah, to me, it's close
1: between Slayton and um, you know, Sh- Shepard. You know he has seven plus targets in all eight of his games this season. You know, he, he's just had the steady volume.
0: Yeah, but Darius Slayton's so much better.
1: No, I don't, don't disagree with that.
0: <laughs> um, and I think Golden Tate is also in play, but I agree with the the pecking order Slayton Shepherd, yeah. Tate.
1: Tate has the best matchup. The Redskins um, have allowed the seventh most fantasy points to slot receivers over the last eight weeks. They've been tougher against outside guys.
0: And Jimmy Moreland, who is their second guy in in the slot, mm-hmm. just hit IR this week. So things are getting worse nice. in there. And, you know, even though we're saying all of the wide receivers look good here, it's just tough to get Daniel Jones any higher than his current 18th in our QB rankings, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't fully trust him uh, mm-hmm. at this point of the season, but, you know, he, he has upside well into the top 10.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's either going to finish first or yeah, 20th.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Use him in DFS.
0: On the Washington side, Adrian Peterson is averaging 18.5 carries in the sixth games that he has played with Bill Callahan as the head coach and Darius Geis either not involved or leaving the game early. Peterson has averaged 4.7 yards per carry in those 6 games and he enters this one having scored touchdowns in three straight. He even got 3 targets
1: last week. <laughs> um and the Redskins home favorites, like that's crazy to say, but you know it's it's honestly a good spot for Adrian Peterson, I think, um, you know, at least in non-PPR, he, he's he's a running back, too, this week.
0: To be fair, with Dwayne Haskins aiming the ball, it's anybody's <laughs> he, guess who is really targeting. Haskins has been better over the last <laughs> few weeks now. He's uh, better against the Eagles, because yeah. everybody is at this
1: point. 64% completion rate over his last two games. There you go. One versus the Eagles.
0: Steven Sims, the guy that you've yep. all been waiting for us to get to. I think he's the other <laughs> sneaky candidate here. He has matched or exceeded Terry McLaurin's target count in three straight games now. Three, four, and five catches. So nothing special here. And I don't certainly don't want to overplay him. But now he gets a matchup with Giants rookie cornerback Corey Ballantyne in the slot. Ballantyne is the worst graded corner, according to Pro Football Focus, of any of the corners starting on this slate. And that's three cornerbacks per team. He is allowing the second most yards per route covered of any cornerback on the slate and allowing an 85% catch rate.
1: Steven Sims is what we wanted Trey Quinn to be this summer <laughs> yeah I
0: mean he's done it in three straight games now in terms yeah. of, of higher involvement so don't want to oversell him we're talking about the the level of you know Kenny Stills yeah I, I like Steven Sims better than Corey Davis but we're talking about down in that range he's got a little bit of upside
1: yeah I mean D- PPR if you're desperate I think um, I think Sims is is at least worth considering
0: upside to both defenses here i think on a streaming level i wouldn't get excited about either one if you're deciding between them i would lean toward washington a little bit because the defense is a little bit better yep me too jacksonville at atlanta falcons by seven and a half it's a 46 and a half over under the matchup's good for Gardner Minshew, but I would have to be way down the list before I'm giving him a look.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I don't trust this Jags offense at this point. Um, I mean, in a two quarterback league, I think you can consider Minshew. Atlanta remains a good quarterback matchup, but in one quarterback leagues, there there are better options for us.
0: And especially with likely no DJ Sharks still, right?
1: He reportedly has a chance. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know why if the Jags would rush in back. He did get in a limited practice on Wednesday. We'll mm-hmm. see about that. You know, I, I think that that would obviously impact guys like Chris Conley, Keelan Cole,
0: yeah. And D.D. Westbrook. Yep. Um, D.D. Westbrook didn't basically nothing at Oakland last week. Six plus targets, four plus catches and four straight games before that, though. I think he's a decent PPR flex with some upside in the matchup.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think D.D. would be least impacted by D.J. Chark's return just as the slot guy running more of the shorter routes Um if Chark is out, Chris Conley is my favorite wide receiver among the Jags here. Led the team with eight targets last week, had the two touchdowns. He's he's definitely the upside play.
0: Yeah, he's been more reliable than D.D. Westbrook lately, too. Has not cracked 60 yards since week eight, though. That was before Gardner Minshew left the lineup the first time. Yep. On the Falcons' side, Matt Ryan's coming off three straight top 13 fantasy weeks.
1: Yeah, he, he's turned it back around. The loss of Calvin Ridley still hurts, but if you're going to feed Julio Jones 20 targets, that's cool. <laughs> um, Austin Hooper it seems like he's close to 100% at this point. And the Jags have allowed the 10th most fantasy points over the past five weeks. That's just despite facing the third fewest pass attempts over that span. They're giving up 9.3 yards per attempt over the last five games. So. Matt Ryan at home, don't have to worry about weather. I, I think he's a, he's a pretty solid lower-end quarterback one this week.
0: And Matt Ryan, if you're listening, please do feed yes. 20 targets to Julio Jones because I have a beer bet with somebody Julio versus DeAndre Hopkins, and I'm losing that one right now. Hopkins, I really need to Hopkins catch is gonna up. Hopkins going
1: to sink you on Saturday. Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, I'm probably done because Julio Jones missed a game. But, uh, Matt, if you can help, and even if you're not listening, maybe my cousin uh, Matt Schaub is listening. Uh, Julio Jones, Austin Hooper, obvious starts. I think Devontae Freeman joins obvious territory because of this matchup.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, Jacksonville and Carolina are the two run defenses to attack right now. Freeman, what was it, two weeks ago had that nice game. He came through for us against Carolina. Now he gets Jacksonville. Usage has been great since coming back from that injury, 15 0.3 carries, four targets per game over the last three.
0: And then I think Russell Gage is the other one that you have to mention. There's a decent PPR floor, Mm -hmm. just not much ceiling unless they fall behind, and I certainly wouldn't bet on that happening.
1: Yeah, I mean, got six targets last week. I think that's probably a fair projection for this week. Um, The Jags, though, have allowed the fourth-fewest fans' points to slot receivers. That's kind of the one spot they've been pretty tough lately.
0: Yeah. Who would you play between Russell Gage and Kenny Stills?
1: I'd take a shot on Stills' upside. I think you can make an argument for Gage in uh, PPR leagues. I do think he's a better target bet, but Stills has the much higher ceiling.
0: Yeah, I would play Stills across the board over Russell Gage. What about Steven Sims versus Russell Gage? <laughs> I gotta look into Sims a little more. I think Russell Gage and Steven Sims are basically the same guy this week. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, I, I
1: obviously like Atlanta's offense better. You gotta think Gage is a better touchdown bet. I'd probably lean to Gage there.
0: Baltimore at Cleveland. The Ravens are 10-point favorites, as they should be here. 48-point over-under, mostly because of Baltimore. Obvious, Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, Mark Andrews, Ravens defense. Really, I'm not too interested in anything else on the Baltimore side.
1: No, I mean, I think Hollywood Brown, the only other consideration, but... He's topped four targets in just one of his last seven games now, so you're basically just hoping for a big play out of him and not a a shot I'd want to take in in this matchup.
0: Right. On the Cleveland side, Nick Chubb is obvious. Jarvis Landry is a near must start. Eight catches for 167 in the first meeting. Since then, though, Marlon Humphrey has moved into the slot. Baltimore has toughened up against slot receivers in that time.
1: Yeah, bad matchup for Landry, I think. He's still in starter range because of the volume. I mean, mm-hmm. even last week he disappointed, but he's still got eight targets. He has seven-plus targets in eight straight games now.
0: Odell Beckham, wide receiver three. Uh,
1: yeah, I would, I would try not to use Beckham if, if you can help it.
0: Kareem Hunt should be a solid bet for receiving upside here. A better version of Duke Johnson, I would say. Season-high eight catches in last week's loss at Arizona. Baltimore is still weak at linebacker.
1: Hunt just keeps getting it done somehow. He's finished top 27 <laughs> in PPR points in all six of his games. He's been top 17 in five of the six games, um, you know, despite getting, you know, you know, what, 12 to 15 opportunities per game. So it's, it's a little scary, but I think if you're using Hunt as like a running back three or flexing PPR, I think I think you're fine.
0: I think he's finished top 27 every week because we don't have enough I'm running sure backs have, to so fill out 27 otherwise. Yep. Oakland at the Chargers. The Chargers are seven and a half point favorites here for some reason. That's up two from where it opens. So apparently the reason is because mm-hmm. betters like them. 45.5 over-under is down a little bit. The Raiders' implied total is down from 20.75 at open to 19.
1: Yeah, I think on the Raiders' side, it's it's Darren Waller and then DeAndre Washington. Now, Josh Jacobs out of this game. Um, when he missed Week 14, Washington played 63% of the Raiders' snaps. 14 carries, 7 targets. The Matchup's good here, too. The Chargers 27th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running back. So, I think Washington is a, is a really solid RB2 especially in PPR leagues
0: yeah he certainly might not work out but I would feel good about starting DeAndre Washington this week the yep. Chargers are a, a bad run defense they're also middle of the league in running back coverage so it's a nice spot for him Derek Carr one touchdown or fewer in five of his past six games and now he gets a negative QB defense
1: yeah no thanks there um, Hunter Renfro is expected back for Oakland um, you know helps Carr a little but not enough yeah. to make him a quarterback one option and as we've talked about um, Darren Waller's volume has been down in games Renfro has played over the past couple months here. So you know, maybe you, you dock Waller a bit, but um, you, know, you need another top five option to consider sitting him.
0: Come on, we got so few things to actually like on the Oakland side. You don't <laughs> need to knock down Sorry. one of the shiny yeah. things. <laughs> Phillip Rivers, usually think of a rebound as a good thing, but he rebounded the wrong way last week. Um, had that outlier high of a game at Jacksonville, down to one touchdown, three picks against the Vikings last week. QB 24 mm-hmm. in fantasy. Rivers was QB 19 back in week 10 when he visited Oakland, 207 yards, two touchdowns, three picks in that one. So it's a positive matchup. He's okay if you're looking outside the top 12, but I would try not to use Philip Rivers this yeah, week. Yeah,
1: I keep thinking he's too high in our rankings. I think he's at 13 right now. Um, that's just because of this matchup. The Raiders 29th in Justin fantasy points allowed. It's quarterbacks, football outsiders, has them 31st in pass defense. But I, I don't trust Rivers, just, just watching him play. looks like he's about washed.
0: It's also, though, because you have to like Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Hunter Henry because it's a great spot for them. And it's it's impossible yeah. to like all of those guys and say that Phillip Rivers is QB 20. Yep, that's fair. Both that's running fair. backs, I think, are in play at usual levels as well. It's a better matchup for them than it was last week.
1: Yeah, Hunter Henry is the interesting one. He, he's really done nothing since the bye week six total catches on nine targets in his last three games but his playing time and routes around that stuff's all been fine I think it's you know just more of a blip than anything And you know this obviously a good bounce back spot um, the Raiders fifth worst in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends
0: Detroit at Denver the Broncos are six and a half point favorites in one of the most boring games of the week 37 and a half point over under first question is Kerryon Johnson going to play yeah. this week
1: uh, it sounds like there's a chance. I don't know why, and, <laughs> and I, I couldn't trust him not knowing what the volume will be like You know, on the road against a pretty tough Denver run defense.
0: Yeah, I can't see using any Detroit Lions running back in this game, especially if Carryon mm. Johnson returns to muddy the picture. Kenny Galladay is a wide receiver three. I would not be shocked if Danny Amendola outscores him in PPR again. I wouldn't no. play Amendola ahead of him, but I wouldn't be shocked. It's a bad matchup all the way around, right. though.
1: Yeah, I mean twenty nine targets for Amandola in David Blau's three starts. So that's nice volume. But Denver's allowed the second fewest fantasy points to slot receivers. Amandola's been in the slot about eighty percent of the time, so tough matchup. You know, tough to expect the Lions offense to do much in general in Denver. Yeah, and
0: Amandola had a big game last week, but the two games before that, even with the eight targets, he got thirty two and thirty four yards of David yeah, Blau. I,
1: yeah, I think that's about what he's gonna do in Denver. I mean, he's not he's not facing the Bucs again.
0: Great spot for the Denver defense. Good matchup for the Denver offense. Cortland Sutton's obvious. I think Phillip Lindsay is a little bit easier to start than he usually is.
1: Yeah, I mean, good spot at home as favorites. You know, Lindsay's still the lead ball carrier here pretty easily, averaging about 14 carries per game over his last five. He's been splitting the passing down work with Royce Freeman, but, again, you expect Denver to be playing with a lead and able to run it here. You're not going to use Drew Locke in a one-quarterback league, but in a two-quarterback league, I think he's definitely an option. We saw him have that big game. Against a bad Texans pass defense, the Lions just as bad. They're 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks.
0: Mm-hmm. And they just found out that Matt Patricia is definitely going to be back next year, <laughs> yeah. so they're probably all feeling down. Yeah. Uh, I think Royce Freeman's a low-level option if you really need him, but you got to get down there to, to look for him. Noah Fant's fine, I think, right around the bottom fringe of tight end one territory. I would rather start O.J. Howard or Mike Jasicki if I'm deciding there, but I would take a shot on Fant over guys like Jack Doyle and Greg Olson.
1: Yeah, I'd put Fan over John Drew Smith, too, but you know, definitely prefer Gasecki or O.J. Howard. Um, you know, Fan's been living on the big plays over the last couple weeks. Has just 10 targets, though, in Drew Locke's three starts.
0: Arizona at Seattle. The Seahawks are 10-point favorites. The over-under of 51 is the highest of the week. Most of that is Seattle. Mm-hmm. The Seahawks are 1.5 points ahead of number 2 Baltimore for the highest implied total of the week. And Baltimore sits another two points ahead of the third team. So a pretty big gap there.
1: Yeah, so I think you're starting all your Seahawks. Russell Wilson, a high-end play. Tyler Lockett, nice bounce back last week. DK Metcalf, he's going to see some, maybe all of Patrick Peterson, but I, I think he can win his his fair share of that matchup. Um, and, and then Jacob Hollister, obviously, the tight end who gets the Cardinals this week. Uh, Will Disley went for... 57 yards and a score against Arizona back in week four. He saw a team high eight targets in that game, so Seattle obviously attacked that tight end matchup.
0: Mm-hmm. On the Arizona side, Kenyon Drake's going to be nearly impossible <laughs> to sit after his four touchdowns last week. Christian Kirk's a wide receiver three. Really, it would be better if the pass offense weren't so sluggish lately.
1: Yeah, and Kirk's, I mean, he's really just been, he had that one huge game against Tampa. Besides that, he's just kind of been like a floor play. He's going to give mm-hmm. you four to six catches, but you know his his yards per catch is pretty low. Um, I, I like Kyler Murray as a you know lower-end quarterback one in this spot. Um, the Seahawks' pass defense doesn't scare me. Kyler's volume should be up here if this game goes according to script and the Cardinals are playing from behind. Murray's actually averaged 35 pass attempts per game in losses this season versus just 29 in wins.
0: Yeah, he rebounded last week from his two worst PFF grades of the season. Yep. But Seattle's only allowed 1.3 touchdown passes per game for the year. Past 5 games, they've allowed 7 touchdowns versus 9 picks. They're 13th in Football Outsiders overall weighted defense, so they're playing well lately. 12th for the season in pass defense DVOA. I mean, Kyler Murray can do it. I think he's at the same about the same level as Philip Rivers, and it's really a coin flip between them.
1: I'd play Kyler over Rivers pretty easily, if nothing else, than for the rushing ability. Um, I, I do prefer Matt Ryan over Kyler Murray.
0: Yeah, I would play Matt Ryan over both of those guys. I, I, I think Murray and Phillip Rivers is a total coin flip because Rivers' matchup is way better, and mm-hmm. Murray does have the rushing, and you know, we'll see what happens between those. Yep. Dallas at Philly, Cowboys by two and a half, and obviously the question here is mm-hmm. what is up with Dak Prescott's shoulder?
1: And I mean, tough to say at this point, Um, it's a throwing shoulder injury. It happened midway through the first quarter of um, last week's game against the Rams and and Dak never left that game. He also only threw it like 20 times the rest of the way in in a pretty easy win. And he he did miss some throws that you think he'd normally make. So I think it probably was a factor. Jason Garrett didn't sound super optimistic when he was talking about it on Wednesday. So um, we'll we'll just have to see. We already moved Dak down the rankings a bit and it's, possible he drops more based on what we hear
0: yeah we're gonna have to watch it through the weekend of course jerry jones is talking optimistically about it calvin watkins uh cowboys beat reporter on wednesday reported that jason garrett said it was hard for him to function referring to dak prescott's shoulder issue his he, he only attempted seven passes in the second half of that rams game and i went back and watched him this morning they were all at or behind the line of scrimmage so I mean he completed six and the yardage was fine but it's because they hit short passes and Zeke took one of them for 24 yards so we'll have to see there was no throwing Wednesday the report was that he was not expected to throw much if at all on Thursday you know we'll see what happens Friday in practice
1: I mean it's too bad too because it's such a good matchup against Philly and Dallas is on the road we know they're not quite as good on the road is at home, but um, you know, I, I think you know guys like Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup were guys I, I was excited to start before we heard this news about Dak Prescott. Now they're obviously riskier with the shoulder issue.
0: Yeah, I agree. So they're they're like in DJ Moore territory where you kind you probably have to start them, but yeah. you can't feel good about it. Dak Prescott's still in our top twelve, but I'd feel better about starting Ryan Fitzpatrick, for example.
1: Um. Yeah, we didn't. I think we moved him behind Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think he's Dak is still ahead of guys like Matt Ryan, Kyler Murray. I think um, you know, based on what we hear over the next couple of days, he he could definitely drop at least a few more spots. Yeah.
0: So make sure you check if you're waiting to make a decision on Dak versus somebody else. On the Philly side, Carson Wentz is QB 13 over the past five weeks. Only four quarterbacks have thrown more touchdown passes than his 10 over that span. And the Cowboys are basically a neutral matchup. So Carson Wentz is an okay option this week.
1: I don't know how he's done it. He has three straight top nine finishes now, despite having nothing at wide receiver. Um, He did struggle against Dallas in week seven, just 191 yards, one touchdown. He had Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar for that game. I don't know. It, it seems like, you know, kind of smoke and mirrors that he's doing this with the pass catching weapons he has. I'd start Matt Ryan and Kyler Murray over Carson Wentz this week.
0: Oh, I wouldn't. I like Carson Wentz better than both right. of those guys. He's got, I mean, he's got the best pair of tight ends mm-hmm. in the league. Uh, Greg Ward's been solid. Miles Sanders is, is excellent as a receiver. And I mean, that throw that Carson Wentz found him in the back of the end zone with. Uh, Dallas is not is a totally non scary mm-hmm. matchup. I, I think Carson Wentz is a solid QB one. I think his floor is better than um, Murray and the other guys that we talked about. Yeah, there. and
1: and the, you know having those tight ends in this spot definitely helps because Dallas has struggled against tight ends all season. Um, Football Outsider says them twenty ninth in tight end coverage. So. Do expect a big game from Earths here, and I think Dallas Goddard is definitely in the tight end
0: one mix. Yeah, he might even be better off not having Alshon Jeffrey yeah, this time because <laughs> he'll have J.J. Ortega-Whiteside to just like <laughs> sit out there and occupy Byron Jones, and they can work the middle of the field where Dallas is weaker. Yeah, could be. Miles Sanders has reached obvious territory as long as Jordan Howard remains out. Yep, agreed. Boston Scott's on the fringe, RB3 territory yeah. again if Jordan Howard's not playing.
1: I mean, 16 carries and 13 targets over his last two games. I always worry about those types of guys you know if Philly gets out to a lead you know Scott might not hit the field much so not a guy I'd want to use but in PPR if you're you know if you, if you lost Delvin Cook for instance I think you know Scott could be someone you pick up off the waiver wire and use yeah. this week.
0: He's a poor man's Kareem Hunt. He doesn't very, have the touchdown upside. Poor, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Zachary it's obvious Dallas Goddard in his usual low starter territory the matchup's positive for him.
1: Yeah and to me Greg Ward sort of right there with Boston Scott is like a you know closer to a desperation play i but. You know, the volume has been there, and, and the matchup's not scary.
0: I would play Greg Ward over Boston Scott if I'm choosing for the flex. He's yeah. seen 7-9-9 nine, and nine targets in the three games that he has played with no Alshon Jeffrey, no Nelson Aguilar. Aguilar was still not practicing Wednesday, so we'll see about him for this week. If he remains out, that should keep Ward in the slot, should keep him a primary target for him.
1: Yeah, and Dallas has allowed the sixth most fantasy points to slot receivers over the last eight weeks.
0: Mm -hmm. Kansas City at Chicago on Sunday night. Chiefs are six-point favorites on the road. That's up one from where it opened. And the over-under is down a point and a half to forty three and a half. You know, obvious on the Kansas City side, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, and really nothing on the fringes excites me here.
1: No, I mean, Sammy Watkins has sort of come back over the last two weeks with 12 targets and, and, and seven catches, you know, better than what he had been doing, but... Yeah, I think you're gonna get, you know, a, a lower end production from the Chiefs passing game in this matchup, so I wouldn't want to use Sammy Watkins. And the backfield at this point has become a total avoid. If Damon Williams comes back, we'll see. I mean, I would bet on him, you know, reemerging as the lead guy, but we can't say that for sure. And you know, between McCoy, Darwin Thompson, Spencer Ware, it's it's just an ugly three three man committee right now.
0: Yeah, I would start Kenny Stills over Sammy Watkins and I would start Adrian Peterson pretty comfortably over oh, yeah. any Chiefs running back.
1: Peterson easily over um, the Chiefs guys. Watkins and Stills, that's that's tough. Mm. (laughs) Um,
0: On the Bears' side, their implied total is down to 19.25 from opening at 20. And honestly, I think that's still a little high. The team is averaging 18.3 points per game for the season. They are 26th in scoring, they are 30th in yards per play, and Kansas City comes into this one having held four straight opponents to 17 points or fewer. That included road games against the Patriots and Chargers, it included holding the Patriots and Broncos to less than 280 total yards apiece over the past two weeks, so it's a, a well-performing defense against a weak offense.
1: Yeah, and Kansas City's been tough against the pass all season, really. Um, they're sixth in football outsiders past the Right now, Mitchell Trubisky, four straight top ten finishes now. Um, I didn't think he was going to do it last week. He wasn't for most of that game, (laughs) so he did it in garbage time. Not a guy I'd want to be using at this point in in one quarterback leagues.
0: Yeah, I agree. A DFS option if you want to, but I would try not to use Mitchell Trubisky this week. Uh, I would would play Daniel Jones over Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, me too. I think Allen Robinson is somebody you kind of have to start. I think Anthony Miller you basically have to start at this point, especially if Taylor Gabriel remains out.
1: Anthony Miller's top seven in targets, catches, and yards over the last five weeks. He's eighth among wide receivers in PPR points over that span. And easily the weakest part of the Chiefs' pass defense is in the slot. Miller's run 78% of his routes from the slot this season.
0: Yep. 11th most fantasy points in the league to slot receivers. Taylor Gabriel has not played since week 12 of the concussion, was still not practicing Wednesday, so it doesn't look good for him. David Montgomery (laughs) is, you know, like last week, you would look at the matchup and think, oh, they should go to David Montgomery a lot. And his usage, as he said previously, has been good since week eight, but no rushing touchdowns in his past six games. He has six total receptions, 10 targets over that span. So if they do fall behind, he becomes less a part of the game plan. Yeah. In their past two losses, which was last week and in week eleven against the Rams, David Montgomery played less than fifty percent of the snaps in each of those games. They enter this one as heavy underdogs. I would try not to use David Montgomery this week.
1: Yep, I agree. Nothing exciting about him. Colts Rundy's been a bit better. You know, they're giving up four point five yards per carry over the last five weeks. I think they were over five yards a carry for much of the season. Montgomery he has fifteen plus opportunities in in eight straight games. That's the best thing you can say about him. Like, you know, you're going to get touches, but at this point it's tough to bank on him doing a whole lot with them.
0: Yeah. Bad touches, Mm -hmm. um, which you've been warned about probably, uh, anything else from that game?
1: True. Cohen, I think a lower level PPR option, especially if you think the bears are are going to fall behind. Um, he's averaging 6.5 targets and 5.5 catches per game over his last six.
0: I have, I have yeah. to even go look at his numbers because I would didn't even think he's, about him. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he's, he's been a top 20 PPR running back in four of his last six games. Yeah,
0: six-plus catches in three of his past four. All yeah. right, I can see it. Uh, in the Boston Scott realm, I would say.
1: Yeah, I'd lean towards Cohen, just feel a bit safer that he's he's going to get the volume.
0: Green Bay at Minnesota to round it out on Monday night. The Vikings are five-and-a-half-point home favorites, and that's up one-and-a-half from where it opened, mm-hmm. a 46-point over-under. On the Green Bay side, Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones are starting. Aaron Rodgers, though, his three meetings with Minnesota since the start of last year have produced QB finishes of 19, 25, and 19.
1: And he comes into this one with just one top 20 finish among his last five games. Now that, that was a you know, number one finish, so he has the upside. But I don't think you're going to get it in this matchup. Minnesota remains much tougher at home than on the road as a defense. Um, they've allowed just 243 passing yards per game. 1.3 passing touchdowns per game at home this season.
0: He has one game in the past six where he threw more than one touchdown. That was that game you referred to against the Giants. He's also 22nd in PFF passing grade over that span. So it's not just that he has had bad luck with touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers is not playing very well right now. And the Vikings, for all the weaknesses that we discuss in coverage, they're still the 10th toughest quarterback matchup by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. So it's not a good spot for Aaron Rodgers either.
1: Right, I mean, if you if you cover up his name, you're, you're not starting the guy. And, you know, it's still Aaron Rodgers. Maybe he, you know, comes up with a big performance here, but I it, not something I'd want to bet on. I mean, he, he's outside our top 12 quarterbacks this week. He's
0: QB 14 in our rankings, and I would personally rank him lower than that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've looked at it. I just, I don't feel great about the guys behind him. Mm.
0: On the Vikings side, Green Bay is also still a negative scoring matchup for quarterbacks, slightly tougher by adjusted fantasy points allowed than the Vikings even. Kirk Cousins had a bad game against Green Bay back in week two. Lit him up in both meetings last year. I think the Green Bay defense has changed quite a bit from that though. If I were choosing between them, I would play Kirk Cousins over Aaron Rodgers because I like his wide receivers, but I would play both Phillip Rivers and Kyler Murray over both of these guys.
1: Yep. I like Murray and Rivers over both. I I think I'd lean Rodgers. Cousins has finished as a top 12 fantasy quarterback in just one of his last five games. Now I do expect him to have basically a 100% Adam Thielen here. You know, Thielen was limited in his first game back last week, but you uh, still ran her out on 74 percent of the um, dropbacks. I think again, I think in this you know big game he'll be a full go, and I would feel pretty good getting Thielen back into fantasy
0: lineups this week. Mm-hmm. Playing Mitchell Trubisky over Aaron Rodgers worked out last week. It did also on the Minnesota side, Dalvin Cook is likely out. We'll see for sure, but it, it, it sounds like he's not going to play. Alexander Madison, we'll have to see about. It. Have you heard any updates on him?
1: No. I- Sounds like he's dealing with a high ankle sprain, though. And yeah, that's if that's right. the case, you know he's he's not going to play. Didn't practice at all last week. Um, sounds like he wasn't practicing today. So I think it's going to be Mike Boone. And I think Mike Boone is a fantasy starter. I think you know he, he's going to get the volume. I think he's a pretty good player. I mean, I think he looked mm-hmm. good in that game against the Chargers last week. Averaged 4.8 yards per carry this preseason. Um, he was eighth in PFF's rushing grades this preseason among 57 running backs with 20-plus carries. So I, I think he's good enough in this effective running game, you know, put up solid numbers on on Monday night.
0: Effective and high volume. So I I, I agree. I think Mike Boone is like Adrian Peterson this week, if he ends up being the starter.
1: Yep. Yeah. It's a good comparison because I don't think Boone's going to do a lot in the passing game. Um, Amir Abdullah ran more routes than uh, Mike Boone after Dalvin Cook exited last week's game. So I think he's going to lose that work to Mm -hmm. Abdullah, but I think Boone, you know, again, should get you 15-plus carries.
0: Yeah, so I would feel better about, like, DeAndre Washington in a PPR league, but I think um, Mike Boone, like I said, is right in Adrian Peterson territory carrying the ball. Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, I think they're in lineups, and the backfield situation probably helps their target outlook.
1: Yep, it does. And Kyle Rudolph, I know we mentioned him. I mean, he's outside our top 12 because with Thielen – in the lineup this season, Rudolph's volume has been way down. The matchup is good, though. The Packers 28th in football outsiders tight end coverage ranking. So if you're looking for a touchdown, I think Rudolph's still a decent bet. But, you know, again, I think you're you're not going to get the five, six, seven targets that you were getting from him when Thielen was out.
0: He did see an okay four targets in that game at Green Bay earlier this season when both of those guys were healthy, though. Mm-hmm. So uh, I agree with that. You're, you you got to be looking down, but if you are, he's got more touchdown upside than most guys in that range. Right, yep. That's going to do it, I think, for this Championship Week preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to check out our full Week 16 rankings and other tools to help finalize your lineup decisions. Of course, you can always email us with that last nagging question or two of the week. And if your league plays into Week 17, don't worry. We'll still have the goods for you next week as well. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at DS, It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Small and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Shao saying thanks so much for swimming with us.